back to the Hoops Temple podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Nico is away, but Dylan is back from his adventures playing Dungeons and Dragons. Dylan, I gotta ask, when I play D&D, I use a Russian or an Australian accent. Do you use an American accent when you play your character? In normal dialogue, I don't, but like my character is sort of like a like a manipulator uh-huh. a sort of a spy if you will um so when my character is playing characters then i will put on an american accent normally <laughs> it's, it's not a conscious decision it's just the way that it works out that's fantastic yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you had a great idea here, so that way we don't instantly date ourselves, because the the games are going on. We just saw Utah take down Dallas. You know, by the time we finish recording and editing this, during an Easter weekend, we're probably going to have the first day of games done. So I believe the plan is, and I'll let you further clarify, mm. but our plan is to discuss what could stop contenders from winning, where their flaws might be, and what weaknesses might be exploitable, right? Exactly, yeah. So there's, you know, that core group of teams that everyone expects to make a deep run and and be possible championship contenders or possibly in the conference finals. In the most cases, like, we know their strengths. Like, we know that, you know, the the Suns have this great ensemble cast and these two great players, and we know that, you know, the Celtics have the great defense. But my idea was basically, instead of making an argument, making the case for why each of these teams can win the championship or a conference finals or a second round series just sort of break down why they actually won't what are their big their big weaknesses the big threats that they're going to have to overcome or that will end up being their demise sure sure where do you want to start i think we don't bury the lead and start at the very top um when i did my bracket i had the phoenix suns progressing and ultimately i gave them the the championship this year but i could really see them going out in the second round um i'd be interested to get your thoughts on like why they won't win the championship i mean they're the by far the best regular season team and history shows that when you're this much better than everyone else like you normally win the championship so why won't they what's gonna stop this team so my thoughts on why they might not win or what we could see is and I just want to throw this out there in the beginning. I don't want either of us to mention a single injury for any player. We're not putting that juju out in the world. We're not going to jinx anyone. So these are injury asides. But my thought with what might stop Phoenix is one top end talent. The game gets close. The best players win series. The best player wins championship games. And we kind of saw that last season where Giannis just took over and Phoenix struggled. You know, I don't think Devin Booker is going to be the best player in a lot of series. You know, second round, they could face Dallas, provided Luka gets healthy. Um, and, and there, I think Dallas, Luka is already a better player. So I, I think top end talent and when games get close, uh, refs start you know swallowing the whistle i could see phoenix uh falling off at that point yeah it's a little bit weird to say that like the second greatest clutch team in like the last um, you know couple decades is gonna struggle in the clutch but that was sort of the biggest thought that i had with them as well is a lot of times in in the playoffs you know these the sun's great strength is that you know they go one through eight of really good NBA mm-hmm. players and their role players can can do a lot of things and contribute in a lot of ways but in the playoffs it's it comes down to your best player um, and like you said second round versus Dallas conference finals against the Warriors NBA finals against the Bucks like 
the best player in each of those series is not on the Phoenix Suns. And in the playoffs, a lot of these series comes down to who's the best player in the series. And that could be Luca, could be Steph, could be Giannis. You know, Devin Book is an awesome player and Chris Paul is an awesome player. They've both had awesome seasons and, you know, been able to bring their teams home in the clutch. Um, but so often the playoffs just come down to who's got the best player. And in a lot of those series, it won't, won't actually be the Suns. I really tried to think if there was any like flaw to them having such wonderful consistency. Like, hey, maybe they haven't had to experiment as much. Uh, so maybe they struggle with game plans and adjustments. But I was like, no, Chris Paul is really good at adjusting. And, yep. and also they've got the, the coach of the year. Yeah, and, and they have had to make some adjustments. They lost Paul for some time. They lost Booker early. For, and like nothing has stopped them. Yeah, I've seen DeAndre Aiden. They bring in, you know, center off the street and make him a make him look like a starter. Yeah, Bismack Biombo. Watch out, Hornets. You're about to sign him to another 2016 <laughs> yeah. contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One one of the legendary through lines of Chris Paul's career is is getting centers overpaid. Oh, All they have to do is like defend the room, and then Chris Paul will get them buckets. <laughs> another team see them, they're like. Yo, this this guy's getting buckets. He can defend the rim. Like, give DeAndre Jordan $20 million a year. Do you think Doc Rivers is just, like, staring at DeAndre Jordan? He's like, man, you used to be so much better. What's the difference? What's <laughs> going on here? What am I missing? <laughs> All right, so that's, that's the one case I got against uh, Phoenix. What do yeah. you have for a case against Milwaukee? Mm. So I think my biggest issue with Milwaukee is whether they're – like we we know that their defense is is gonna be good, or at mm-hmm. least we we're pretty sure that their defense is gonna be good. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern for them is whether like they are just gonna be able to score enough. Like their defense will keep the opposing team down, but like they are even when they won the championship, like they're not a great offensive team. Could you think of a worse offensive team that's won a championship recently than the Bucks? You know, looking at. I mean, maybe maybe bubble ball excluded, but you're looking at like the LeBron Cavs and the and the Warriors and these sorts of offensive juggernauts and the Bucks, like they just really aren't that, you know. Even even last year, it's kind of overlooked how sort of mediocre they were offensively. Like they really didn't score the ball well deep in the playoffs, but their defense was enough to to overcome that. Um, and if they were to go up against maybe a, a more explosive offensive player. We were saying, you know, maybe Devin Booker is not good enough to be the best player in a in a final series. Um, but if they have to go up against, you know, maybe Luca or Steph, a more explosive offensive team, or even you know, just the Nets with Kyrie and Katie both playing, you know, their their defense is going to be good. But are they going to be able to put up enough points? Do they have the creation? I had that big fear when they lost Dante DiVincenzo to really like narrow down the focus of do they have enough shooting? Um, and, and so I went and pulled up the numbers. That's that's where I thought Milwaukee was really going to struggle in. And can you guess what Dante DiVincenzo shot this season from three with Milwaukee? Oh, this season would have been terrible, right? Yeah, he was real bad. Like uh, below 30%. Yep, 28% before he got traded. Limited mm. sample size. Uh, and I'm sure that's improved now. But surprisingly, Drew Holiday is hitting 41% from three this yeah, season. Yeah, Drew... Drew- yeah, Drew is having a, a career year shooting from three. And if Middleton can bounce back to his shooting, I think that goes away. But that was my one big fear is like, hey, 
our team's just going to be able to pack the paint and say, hey, we're going to build a wall. We're going to keep Giannis out. Um, I am so happy that Toronto is not their first round opponent. Like the Bucks can just walk through Chicago. Um, but mm-hmm. like that, I, I had a lot of fear about teams just being able to bog down their, their offense and just force them to be shooters. Yeah. I mean, the, the playoffs has played a little bit different, like especially once you're in the clutch. It's more just like, can your best player get you a bucket? Um, mm-hmm. And Giannis has made like drastic, you know, massive improvements in, you know, just creating offense for himself recently. You know, he's got the little mid-range turnaround down and, you know, bit of footwork down low, for example. You know, he's not just going to try to run into you. If you need a bucket, how far down a list of players that you want getting you a shot late in the, in the finals do you have to go before you get Giannis or Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday? Like, you're going deep into that list, I think. I don't know. Giannis is still pretty high in my mind just because I mm. think he's going to get to the basket. And his free throw shooting is so much improved. He's at 72% on the year. Mm. Whatever happened, and it's funny, not this last offseason, but the offseason before, there was a ton of talk about how he had revamped his free throw shooting, uh, how his trainers had had his uh, girlfriend carry their baby and run suicides every time him they missed um because like (laughs) okay it it was the thing because Giannis is like such a willing worker that they were like like run a suicide he's like oh cool yeah (laughs) i get to run again (laughs) (laughs) so they're like they went psychological warfare on him they're like we're gonna torture your family every time you miss a free throw yeah miss two in a row we're taking a toe yeah he just like he couldn't leave the line. The, he just had to watch her, and like his shooting coach was like, "Yeah, it pissed him off," and he focused. And I'm like, "That is that is mean and that's brilliant." Uh, and that didn't work. But whatever they no. did this last off season seems to have worked. I don't even necessarily think it was the off season. Like if you remember back to last year's playoffs, um, yeah, he went in as a really bad free throw shooter. Um, but when it came time, when it was actually important, like he made his free throws. Mm-hmm. You know, we always say like so much of free throws is psychological. Like if you just practice free throws, like you're going to build the muscle memory to, you know, do the physical side. So it's just the oh, mental yeah. aspect. I think he just, you know, really got, you know, an unwavering confidence in himself by the time it came to the playoffs and he just didn't give a fuck. Um, he has actually improved his routine. You know, we're not going to get the opposing fans counting him for, you know, a free throw time violation. Mm. Um, you know, he shortened it, which is good. You know, that's less time to get in your own head. And yes, I don't think necessarily the free throws will be an issue, but just, you know, creating a bucket one-on-one late clock. I think there are a lot of guys that you'd prefer over the three guys that the Bucks have. And so that True. that's my concern is whether they're going to be able to score. All right, who's your third team? I think the Warriors are probably the next best team, to be honest. Oh, that's an easy what could stop them from winning? That's just size down low. Hmm. Do you think of something else that, for them? I mean, that's that's the thing is like how many people are picking the Warriors, but then when you go to like consider why, I mean, taking out injury, like Steph isn't a hundred percent coming in. Draymond's missed a lot of time. Well, I, I just wanted to take out future injury, you know, mm. but I, I think yeah. I think we should rightfully acknowledge that Steph yeah. is injured. Yeah. Because yeah, I was but- I was building my bracket for bracketology for both our podcast and then um, the goat group. And I like 
I had the Warriors getting knocked out in the first round because I just think it, with Steph not fully healthy um, and then them needing to rely on Kevon Looney and Draymond to defend Jokic, I was like, man, Jokic could pick these guys apart. And then I was like, man, well, if Warriors win, then I think I've got the Warriors in the NBA championship. Uh, it just like it's such yeah. a wide variance for them. Yeah, Nate Duncan had basically a similar similar thought process. So on his um his pod with Hollinger, um, he actually had the Warriors winning the championship. And his idea was like, if they get this far, which is, you know, the conference finals or NBA finals, like they're gonna be playing at such a high level that, you know, nothing's really gonna stop them. Mm-hmm. If they make it here, like they they're going all the way. Like they're just gonna be at such a high level. And that's pretty much what you you said just there is like if they can get past the Nuggets and who who would be their their second round matchup like the Grizzlies? Yeah, it would be Memphis or Minnesota. Yeah, like if they can get past both of those teams who you know prevent or present very different challenges, you know one great offense, one great defense. If they can overcome both of those and and get to the conference finals, then like what is going to stop them? Why aren't more people picking them as the championship favorites? I think it's just because of the Steph injury right now. And a little bit of it also might be kind of the untestedness of a lot of the key pieces. Uh, And this would kind of be my second thing. And like that's that's kind of the the thing about these contenders is like we were both kind of grasping for straws of like, hey, what's going to stop Phoenix? What's going to stop Milwaukee? Uh, By the time we get down to a Philadelphia, we can like name 20 things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for Golden State, we've got the health entering the playoffs, and then we've got lack of experience of key pieces like Jordan Poole, like uh, Kuminga. Gary Payton has kind of fallen out of the rotation lately or fallen yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, he, he might be unplayable in, in the playoffs. Which is a huge piece to lose. Yeah, like the Warriors are always going to have at least one non-shooter on the floor by, by playing Draymond and or playing Looney. Like in the playoffs, you probably can't have two non-shooters on the floor, even with how great you know Paul and Steph and Clay mm-hmm. and even like Wiggins um, can be. And like Looney's got some experience. Looney was in two finals runs. He has a ring, but I just pulled up his stats, and he was playing about twenty minutes a night in both those runs. But it's there's a big difference between being the twenty minutes a night backup and being hey, we need you to stop Jokic. We need you to battle with Steven Adams in the second round. I mean, I guess I kind of like him versus DeAndre Ayton because he actually has more experience. But it's it, it being the number one guy has a lot more responsibility as opposed to being a backup. Yeah, see, I don't know if his role is going to change that much. I think he'll just be a 20-minute-a-game starter. Like, when the Warriors are, you know, when it's winning time, Draymond's going to be playing a lot of center. And so I think maybe another weakness could be is like just how many of these extra guys can you actually rely on? Because that was the the real strength of mm-hmm. their championship teams is like they could go small because they had the wings to fill in. Can Otto Porter make shots? Is Iguodala, does he still have it? If you can't find like a, a you know, another guy or like are they going to go small? Is, is Wiggins going to be the four and they'll play the three guards? That could be another thing is just like, do you have just the guys to mm-hmm. put together that death lineup? Um, and if you find that you're just too small defensively with Curry and Paul plus, you know, two other wings and you have to go to Otto Porter, you have to go to Godala and maybe they can't make shots or, you know, they can't quite hold up defensively. Steph's 
Steph can only get you so far. Well, part of what made the death lineup so valuable when it first began is, is they could switch a ton of like you can't switch with oh. Curry, so you can't switch one through five. But yeah, with- no, that's 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 a brilliant point. Like Harrison Barnes was a good defender. Iguodala mm-hmm. was Finals MVP that first year because he was the best defensive player on that team. Mm-hmm. Okay, Draymond stands. We just we acknowledge it was Iguodala guarding. LeBron Draymond is switchable but you know so now we've got if they try to go death lineup Draymond's the best defender they've got and then is Wiggins second best yeah I don't I don't think you can play your death lineup with Clay because I don't think he's that switchable anymore and I don't I, I would worry about it now you've gone from even having, worse than Clay you probably can't play with Paul well, and if you've got Paul off the floor then then you probably struggle for offense if it's you know Curry Clay Wiggins Otto Porter or Iguodala and and Draymond like you could struggle for points outside of Steph. Yeah, and that was my the point is like, hey, the original death lineup had four good defenders. The death lineup now is going to have one and a half with Wiggins. Like it just it, it's a big step back. So I think mm. I think there's a lot of reasons to be timid about Golden State. Uh, but still, they're either going to make it or get knocked down in the first round, or I think they're going to be in the NBA Finals. So yes, <laughs> um, let's let's. Let's bounce back out east. Uh, Miami, what weakness do you see for the mm, Heat? Um, I think kind of similar to the Bucks is like, there's actually a, a concern that we had coming into the season. Um, I think you and I were both pretty on the money in terms of Miami optimism um, for the regular season. And, you know, they, they turned out to be the best regular season team. I can't take that credit. Because no. I, <laughs> no, I fully remember us coming into the season and being like, Miami's going to struggle a little bit in the regular season. Or at least me, I, I remember saying that. Like, hey, you know, they're not going to push themselves. They'll probably enter the playoffs as a four or a five seed and, you know, be a much better playoff team. And they way exceeded my expectations as a re- regular season team. You know, you're right. I, th- I think I've got it backwards. I think we yeah. ha- had, you know, didn't think that they'd go that hard in the in the regular season and that they that they would turn it up in the playoffs. Um, but either way, yeah, I think the concern is is scoring. Like Jimmy Butler gets older and like less offensively versatile every single year. Like he mm-hmm. every single year he loses a trick. He he loses some ability. And so like it's it's sort of overlooked. Like Jimmy Butler and, and Paul George are like two guys that are like very comparable, I think. In terms of just like their overall quality as a player, Paul George has like the whole playoff P thing, but Jimmy Butler has some like really bad playoff games and playoff series in his resume. And so like he's your number one guy. He's a year older, a step slower. Um, he doesn't have the same foul drawing ability that he did in the last season. You know the the jump shot is is almost non-existent from three. That's the guy you're relying on, or it's you know Tyler Hero who. You know, he he had the awesome bubble run, but other than that, he has hasn't done anything in the in the postseason. You know, he can be played off the floor defensively as well. Yeah, he's going to get targeted a lot. Yeah, and and you've got Bam is not really a great um you know creator, maybe a little bit overrated there. And Lowry is like, other than maybe some three point shooting, like I don't know what he's really you know if if he's your go if he's trying to get you a bucket, I don't really know what he's offering you either. And so yeah, I think when they when they get down to it everything slows down they may just struggle to find offense the heat worth 28th in pace 
and 17th in offense. So they might not get that much slower. Um, you know, 10th best offensive rating. So there, there is some hope for them. But I think definitely when it gets down to those clutch moments and it's about individual shot creation, everything we said about Milwaukee and everything we said about Phoenix as far as not having top-end talent and Milwaukee struggling to, you know, to find shooters, like that could be really true of the Heat too in these close close moments because they could go really defense heavy and lack shooters uh they could try to put out shooters and you know still struggle with like an individual shot creator that's gonna force a double to kick to shooters so they're definitely in the multiple multiple flaws category yeah and it'll be kind of interesting to see like who they get in the second round i think that they can probably take care of atlanta but either philly or toronto the second round like i could easily see either of those teams pulling the upset I don't, you know, I think I could see Philly setting an offensive, um, you know, just a scoring rate that the Heat can't keep up with. And I think I could see Toronto just making it so impossible for them to get a bucket that, you know, we get, you know, some 78 to 82 type games. Well, one of the best things about Miami is that Bam is an incredibly versatile defender. He can switch out. He can defend a lot of players. But he's given up a ton of size if they have to play Embiid. And that actually might be one of his worst matchups is him having to guard Embiid for a seven-game series. And like just to further the point, Harden has looked really bad lately. But if Harden plays well and Harden gets back to his kind of norm or even what we saw last season um, or earlier at different points this season, Philly could have the best two players in that series. And yeah, I think, I think there's a decent chance that Philly gets their shit together they knock off Miami in the second round. Yeah, assuming that they make it to the second round, true, I think that's <laughs> I think that's an, an entirely possible. I do have them losing in my bracket for bracketology, but yeah, <laughs> um, Raptors in six, maybe. I might be a little bit more heart than head, um, <laughs> yeah. but but who's your fifth contender? Not necessarily in order. Um, let's, bounce, let's just bounce back out west. Who's just give me a west team? Oh, have we talked about Dallas yet? No, not really. Yeah, well, the, well, there's a, there's a good place to start. You know, with the way that they've really come on late and the the season that Luca had, like it would not be at all surprising if they were to make a really deep run. And like it wouldn't even be shocking if the, I think if they won the championship. You know, we talked about they could have the best player in any given series, really, um, with the way that Luca's playing. But they could also go out in this first round, and they've started already. They're down o one. Luca coming back from injury at some point. There's the first place to start. Is just like you, you can't win without your best player, and they don't have their best player. Yeah, it's interesting to think of them as a, a title contender, just because we've we've kind of recently exited the super team era of these like big three star team ups, and Dallas is like a single star team. But like the NBA kind of goes in waves. Like looking back in the '90s, it's basically duos. It's Kemp and Payton versus uh, Jordan and Pippen. It's, you know, Stockton and Malone versus Barkley and Kevin Johnson, you know. Even coming into the modern times, like, yeah, the Miami had the big three, but once it got deep, you know, Bosch really kind of got more and more mm-hmm. relegated to be more of a role player. And, and same thing with Kevin Love, you know. No one talks about <laughs> that Kevin Love was the third star on that Cleveland championship team. Or even even you know those those Cleveland teams at all. It's you know it, it was LeBron and Kyrie, yeah. and then Kevin Love was also there. Um, so yeah, even even in the Big Three era, besides the Warriors who were just like so overly dominant, 
um, even in the big three era, like it's still about duos. Well, and like Dallas doesn't necessarily have a duo, but when you start moving away from big three and start thinking, all right, so maybe duos versus single or solos, I, I could see Dallas. I still need to wrap my head around it a little bit more, but I think they've got a lot of holes, a lot of flaws. Mm. The bracket broke well. They're not going to see Jokic. So they don't really have to worry about having to deal with a physically imposing big. But if they come out of the East or come out of the West and they have to play whoever comes out of the East, if it's Embiid, he's going to dominate their front line. It's Giannis. They don't have anyone. Like Dorian Finney-Smith has been excellent defensively, but he's not stopping Giannis. Um, I think Kleber could do a decent job, but continue. Yeah, he could do a decent job. But I, I just think I think that big men are, are going to be kind of their Achilles heel, uh, especially like a, a scoring big man. Yeah, yeah, a dominant big man, but... Yeah, as, as you said, like the bracket broke kind of well for them. Like they'll get Phoenix in the second round if they get there. Um, and DeAndre Aden is an awesome player, but obviously their strengths lie on the on the perimeter as well. Yeah, you're kind of asking DeAndre Aiden to shoot because you want to get Phoenix out of their offense. Yeah. Do you think that just like the heliocentrism could be their floor? It's just like if everything's running through Luka, the defense can load up on Luka, you get Mikael Bridges guarding Luca in the second round. You know, we, we've seen time and time again, like, role players really struggle to make shots in the playoffs, especially when, like, more and more, you know, they're sort of out of their out of their rhythm as the ball ends up sticking more and more in the hands of, of the superstar. And, like, Luca already holds the ball, like, a lot. He, he has a, a super high usage already. And if, you know, you know the Dor- Dorian Finney-Smiths and Reggie Bullock's, Jalen Brunson even, like, if those guys can get out of a rhythm and like the shots just don't fall and everything can, you know, load up against Luca, that could be a challenge. It's just like, do you have a lot of faith in their surrounding cast? And if everything has to go through Luca and he's got Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Aiden guiding him in a pick and roll, that's pretty hard to get out of. I see where you're saying and I see where you're going. Uh, just to add some context numbers, Jalen Brunson last season Average 12 points per game going into the playoffs on basically 62% true shooting. In the playoffs, that dropped to eight points and like 56% true shooting. So just like a a significant reduction on both sides. Um, But I I think that actually makes me feel more confident in him this year because he saw Hmm. what was wrong in the playoffs. And I thought he's looked much better this year. So I just got to imagine that you have some of these failings and uh, and like shortcomings. And you go into the gym and you work on it. And I think I actually really kind of like the idea of, hey, if you're going to go heavy trapping Luca, um, I haven't got a chance to watch the Utah Dallas game that just concluded as we started recording. Um, but I, I look forward to watching it tomorrow morning and before Easter services because I'm, I'm excited to see how did Brunson and Dinwiddie perform and how do they keep it close? Because um, like just box score numbers looks like they did fairly well. Well, I think without the heliocentrism, they might be able to uh, to do more. And that's probably another reason that the Porzingis trade was a win. It's like last year, the the major issue is that like, you know, Luca could only go so far and then they needed other guys to create mm-hmm. something. Um, and Spencer Dinwiddie can do that. Jalen Brunson can do that. You know, Tim Hardaway can get hot and make some shots in one game. So they do kind of have some of those pieces. It's just whether... You know, there's a big difference between creating offense in the regular season and in the playoffs. Yeah. And 
not to devoid us from our bouncing back and forth east west i've seen that the timberwolves are currently up eight at the end of the first quarter they put up a 41 point first quarter uh against memphis what are the flaws that you think are going to stop memphis from going that far (laughs) um looks like defending anthony edwards is going to be a challenge (laughs) um they have 13 points in the first quarter as we record yeah, I mean, Memphis is probably the easiest one to, to pick. I think they're the second, easily the second best team in the conference regular season-wise, and no one really has them as probably even a top four, you know, sort of championship contender from the West. And so it's it's a lot of, you know, maybe some of the issues that are coming up already is like, um, you know, like can Stephen Adams stay on the floor? How, do, how does that affect their defense? Obviously, experience is going to be a, a massive one you know mm-hmm. the players that they're relying on Ja, Desmond Bain, Ja, Wren, <laughs> Jaron Jackson that was <laughs> um, don't have a lot of playoff experience there's there's a, a clearly established history I think of these teams where it's like we are really good because we go really deep and mm-hmm. uh, you know we have one through ten of, of really solid players like everybody's going to take a step back in terms of their overall effectiveness in the playoffs. And then when you've got Jar trying to do everything, um, <laughs> he did go five for five in the first quarter for 15 points. Um, so he is trying to do everything. But yeah, l- lack of experience, lack of top-end talent outside of Jar. You know, Jar's awesome. He's one of the, you know, he might be a, a just about a top 10 player in the league, but there's no one else on this roster that you look at as a guy that you would trust to get points in the playoffs they may really struggle when jar's off in addition to you know maybe struggling to support him when he's on well don't look now they're making the comeback they've outscored uh minnesota at the start of the second four to three yeah but yeah i I agree like jared jackson jr is an excellent defender uh, but i do kind of worry about some of their guard defense i mean brooks is pesky bain is pesky but I, i don't know if they necessarily have like an elite wing stopper and then uh, offensively, as a Desmond Bain fantasy owner, he has amazing nights and he has bad nights. Dylan mm. Brooks is is hot or cold, and, and yeah. the playoffs could definitely expose a lot of these inconsistencies. I still, you know, we're recording this and they're down into Minnesota, but I still think that they're, they're going to make pretty easy, quick work of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I just, I saw that come across my timeline and had to sidetrack us for a minute. Who else yep. do you got out east as a contender? Uh, we, we, we haven't talked about Boston. That's because Boston makes me sad <laughs> in all reasons. <laughs> really? <laughs> you're, you're yeah. sad about how good they are? Yeah, sad in all reasons. As a Lakers fan, having to watch Boston be successful, you know, there's a time where both Lakers and Celtics were really struggling, and it was like, ah, hey, if we're bad, at least they, they're bad. But then they figured it out. Uh, and then sad from a... They looked really good, and like I, I like cheering for greatness, and I worry about Robert Williams being out and how that's going to affect them. Um, and then also a little bit it's sad from a, hey, either they're going to knock off Brooklyn or Brooklyn's going to knock them off, and I would kind of like to see you know those teams play more playoff basketball and not mm. eliminate each other. Like the, the Clippers-Spurs first round of... I'm sure you remember what year was it? 2013 that went seven was amazing. Yeah, uh, but it was like, oh well, we lost. Uh, yeah, we lost the Clippers and or the Spurs in the first round. That that sucks. And really, the Clippers too, because Chris Paul um pulled his hamstring. Yeah, yeah. That, that was probably the 
think I've said before, like the the greatest game of my life when the when the Clippers won their that first round series. Oh, it's tough. Blake had a triple double. Chris Paul hit the game winner on one leg. What a game! Yeah, it's hard, but I think their flaws are, are kind of easy to see and. Unfortunately, Bruce Brown decided to say that at a press conference, but you attack them down low with Robert Williams out. They're going to be susceptible to that. I do think they've got good, strong point of attack defense, but without Robert Williams, I think they're going to really struggle, especially against Brooklyn's uh, Brooklyn's hot shooting. And yeah, I mean, every, everyone struggles against Kevin Durant. That's just kind of yeah. given. Yeah. And yeah, you run into like, okay, if your big flaw is defending down low, like, the East goes through Giannis, and Giannis mm-hmm. is the you know the most dominant paint scorer of you know the last twenty years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's not just you know a major flaw, but like a major and very relevant flaw. Yeah, and listen, Tatum has improved vastly as a passer. Uh, but when the game gets close and the game gets tough, I don't know if that passing is going to stick around or if he's going to go back to what feels natural. You know, hey, you're down ten in a playoff series. Is he going to continue to work the ball and keep things moving, yeah. or is he going to try to flip back and be just just a dominant scorer? Yeah, I, I think he he probably will, um, because I think another weakness of that they're going to have to contend with is like how many guys outside of Brown and Tatum do you trust to you know make forty percent of their shots in a given game? Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart, Derek White, like these are guys that can easily just be taken out of the offense. So it's going to come down to can Jalen and Tatum score enough, and also like you know be be elite defensively. And that's that's sort of a big ask. I also just want to say like, hey, foul trouble is a thing. I think like you go much beyond that rotation, which is already shortened, not having uh, Time Lord, which we don't even know how he's going to look when he returns. I know um, they did the quick meniscus surgery repair which Dwayne Wade has spoken out about that and saying that it really hurt his career doing that. Like it rushed him back, but had long-term ramifications, which makes me worried about it for, uh, for Robert Williams. But like their lack of depth could really catch up to them. I mean, just, just looking at them, like you got beyond Grant Williams. Are you going to then start playing Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, uh, like Luke Cornette? Is he, is he getting minutes in these series? Like, yeah, that's kind of less of an issue. You know, in in theory, depth is less of an issue in the playoffs because you like you just play your guys. But like forty eight times five, like can you play that many minutes among six players? Yeah. Well, and like, sorry, Romeo Langford's not actually on the team anymore. But I was just looking down their minutes per game in list, and it's it gets real thin. You go beyond the Tatum, Brown, Smart, uh, Al Horford, Derek White, and I'm excluding Robert Williams because he's out. Next up is Grant and Tice. And then beyond it is Peyton Pritchard. Like you're yeah. you're going down fast. You've got seven playable pieces right now. One of them is Daniel Tice. Mm. So like foul trouble. I mean, uh, we're not talking injuries, but yeah, foul trouble, fatigue, a cold shooting night. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Tatum starts. You know, he has an off night, misses some threes. Like I don't think they can overcome that. Yeah. All right. All right who's next? Um. Why don't we go to? You wanna, <laughs> do you wanna knock off the the easy one and and go back to that um that contender that we said has a decent chance of losing in the first round. All right, so Philadelphia. 
Uh, let's see. Philadelphia, we've got flaws in coaching. We've got flaws with James Harden potentially just going ball hog and turnover prone. You know, we're not going to mention injuries, but you know, Embiid's uh, stamina and you know their ability to survive the minutes with him off the court. We've got Matisse Tybel, who won't be able to play in three of the games where his defense is going to be really needed. Like uh, Philadelphia at this point has more flaws than positives in my mind. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like, truly among contenders uh, that that shouldn't be said. You shouldn't have yeah. more flaws and still be a contender. Yeah, like we, we haven't even mentioned that, like, you know, the third best player is Tobias Harris, who is never good in the playoffs. That's. That's because Tobias Harris is not their third best player. It's Tyrese Maxey, who's a young, <laughs> unproven, you know, player. They're going to be relying on a lot of young guys. That you know, Shake Milton's going to see some time. Matisse Thybul is going to see some time. They've got all of the flaws possible. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. And, and like we were talking about with Boston, like their floor being a really relevant floor. Mm-hmm. Like the Sixers are like the worst transition defense of all time. And they're going to be playing against Toronto, who, you know, run on everything. Yep. And, like, we'll have to probably go through Milwaukee, who, like, if Giannis gets out in transition, like, they have no chance of stopping him. Yeah. And, like, Milwaukee, if Milwaukee wants to run in transition with Giannis, Brooke Lopez can just stand next to Embiid the whole time and just be like, all right, you guys play four <laughs> on five. We're not going to let them cherry pick this reverse. I'm just going to still be here. Yeah, that'll literally happen. Brooklyn and Bede won't even cross half court. They'll just stay in the... <laughs> I think they still can win. And that that is purely based on the top end talent. And you know, we're talking about, hey, you got to have a guy that's going to get you a bucket in the final five minutes of the game. And they've got probably two of the top 10 to 15 if Harden's hitting and if, if Embiid is not exhausted. Those are both big ifs, but you know you, you need a bucket late game. They have the guys that'll get them. Do you want to just touch on Brooklyn while we're still in the East? Yeah, let's do it. What's stopping Brooklyn from winning? Um, the 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 real trouble I think for Brooklyn really comes down to this, you know, this technicality that you have to actually have five players on the court at all times. Like you can't play <laughs> just you can't just have the opponent only play two players as well. I was gonna say there's there's no problem. You could only play four players. The opponent just is <laughs> yeah. not gonna abide by these rules. Yeah. And so like yeah. I mean like were they getting scoring outside of Kyrie and Durant? Like, okay, maybe Seth Curry's kinda good. If Patty Mills has been good in the past, he's been terrible this season. Like reintegrating Ben Simmons. Supposedly he's trying to come back as well. Like I I read the tweet that Ben Simmons is, is planning to come back. And the, the follow-up tweet is like, up until now, he's only done one-on-zero workouts. It's like, what? He, he, he hasn't even played like two-on-two. Like, <laughs> he is so far from being ready to come back. And they're going to throw him out there. And he's like, man. But they kind of need to because like their other massive floor is like, who's getting a stop on this team? I can't believe that this is where you're going with this. Just starting <laughs> off with their offense. He's like, my obvious flaw for, for Brooklyn is... They don't have players taller than six foot three that are in the rotation. Like, <laughs> hey, Andre so, Drummond is is a starting center. Sorry, six in twenty twenty two. I don't want to disrespect Bruce Brown. So taller, like, <laughs> here are their guys taller than six four that aren't named Kevin Durant, Nick Claxton, Lamarcus Aldridge, mm. Blake Griffin, Andre mm. Drummond. Who I didn't realize, but he changed his number mid year. I didn't. 
that's just weird. I've been paying a lot of attention to jersey numbers, and he went from zero to four. Maybe went from four. To, I don't know. He's he's wearing two different jersey numbers. I don't like it. It's not not okay. But just like those four guys have to give you something, and in theory they could. Like that is three all stars and a young bouncy guy. That it is unfortunately the young bouncy guy is the best player in those those four. Mm. Um, which is just just such a sad thing because as we're talking about size and defensive versatility those guys are going to give you nothing like almost getting boston is like a dream come true for them because they don't they don't want any of milwaukee they don't want any of philly here right now yeah i mean brooklyn's best theory in theory is like he probably has to play durant at five because like i don't want Andre Drummond. I don't want Nick Claxton. I don't want Lamarcus Aldridge. Blake Griffin is is totally washed. Like they cut James Johnson. So like I don't want any of those guys out there. And so like you're going Durant at five and Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, Curry Irving. Like you're gonna not get stops, man. Yeah, I mean if you do, if you do Durant at five, you have to play three small guards, and I I absolutely hate it. Like. Oh, they got to rebalance this roster. Got to get some players that aren't older than me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm turning 30 in less than two weeks now. And if your players are all older than me, I'm really worried about how good you're going to (laughs) be. Yep. And on the contrary, if if your players are all younger than me, um, then I'm also concerned (laughs) to go back to Memphis. It's it's funny how age changes your relationship to the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember when the Lakers drafted Andrew Bynum, who is like two years older than me, maybe three. Either way, we were in high school at the same time. And like, I was like, man, I could have been playing against Andrew Bynum if we lived in a similar area and were in comparable high schools, which also probably would mean I wasn't playing because, yeah, I just wasn't as good. Um, but like, it, it's just wild to like, kind of move through the NBA age range and be like, yeah, I'm 27. I am the same age as like the legit best players in the league. And now to be like, Ooh, I just, I just spent this morning cleaning out my garage and my back hurts. And these guys are like being asked to play intense yeah. athletic events. Like you, you got to bring some load management into your life, Nate. Yeah. No more back-to-back work days for you. <laughs> when I see LaMarcus Aldridge, who is seven years older than me, lumbering oh, off man. the court, <laughs> I'm like, dude, how bad are you? Like, my knees hurt watching you play. <laughs> <laughs> how bad uh, do your knees feel? Like, it just, yeah, Brooklyn, if Brooklyn makes it past the first round, I think this season is a win for them. Uh, or, I mean, not this season, but. I think the playoffs then are they're they're exceeding expectations to make it out of the first round. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, wouldn't be that surprising that to see, you know, just Katie and Kyrie are so unstoppable that they could go all the way. You know, I saw that they were they were in theory at one point a um like the number two title favorite in in the Vegas betting odds. And this was like a week or two ago. And I was like, man, mm. where can I just bet anybody but but Brooklyn? Yeah. Like yeah. Like what are, what are my odds on that? Sure, I put up a hundred. I win ten bucks. Like, deal. I'm gonna put up. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> like, I, I I don't know. I mean, how much can I bet on this? Can I put down a grand? Like, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm very certain on this. So, 
don't know. Is there anyone else you want to touch on? Any of the other Western Conference teams? Because I think we've exhausted Eastern Conference teams, unless you really want to make the case for Atlanta. <laughs> no, no. I think that's all of our contenders. Yeah. I mean, there's Denver, but I feel like their flaws are, are very obvious. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Utah, who once again, pretty obvious flaws. Actually, not obvious. The Utah flaws is their lack of defensive ability, which I feel like everyone thinks of Utah as a great defensive team uh, and not a great offensive team. But they really have one great defensive player. Yeah, Utah is not a great defensive team. They're a great offensive team with one good defender yeah. who is so good that he makes them top five single-handedly yeah but all right well thanks everyone for listening if you think can think of another flaw for a contender let us know hit us up on tiktok on twitter on facebook um yeah hope we didn't uh, shit on your favorite team too much have a good one we definitely did (laughs) (laughs) yeah